Hey, my name is Suhani, and this is my podcast, The Fem Stem Mythbusters. In today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the myth that only men can be technology leaders with guest speaker Kulaud Ode. She is the Global Director of Digital Services at CGIAR, a global partnership that unites international organizations engaged in research about food security. Before joining CGIAR, she spent 18 years in executive IT leadership roles in national and international organizations, including Vice President, CIO, and Director of IT. In 2018, she was named one of the power women of tech in Washington, D.C., according to DCA Live. Hi, Ms. O'Day. Welcome to my podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey, specifically how you figured out you were interested in the STEM field and how you succeeded so far. Thank you. Well, it's a, it has been a bit of a long journey, so I have been in this field for a while now. Uh, but maybe I'll go back to the start, which is I was always interested in science. And actually, I uh, grew up in a, in a home where my mother was a teacher and she was a science teacher. Um, and uh, uh, she was my teacher actually also in middle school. So I, I, I always loved science and math and um, uh, so let's say the interest started from from that age, and when I finished high school, um, I was the youngest in my uh, family, and I grew up in the Middle East in Palestine. Um, and like many Middle Eastern families, you know, they want their kids to be doctors and lawyers and engineers. And because I was the youngest, I could really decide whatever I wanted <laughs> to study because my other sisters we already covered all of these specializations. Um, so although I got like very high grades in, in my high school that allows me to enter, you know, a medical school or engineering, etc., I was really interested in something new. And, uh, and I had a, a cousin who uh, studied computer science and I was always fascinated with, with, she was working as a programmer with an airline. Uh, and I was always like fascinated seeing like these sheets of code and it was like, and I never used the computers and I never really um, uh, had a computer at home even at that time. Uh, that was in like late 80s. Uh, so I decided, I was like, I want to study computer science. This like sounds really, really interesting. Um, so I applied for the School of Science because computer science was part of it um, in the University of Jordan in Amman. Jordan and uh, I got accepted and I studied uh, computer science and uh, that was kind of the journey. It was a new field and up and coming and uh, I managed to work in, in programming in a couple of companies in Palestine and then got a, ma- a scholarship to do my master's at the American University in Washington DC in computer science and that's what brought me to the US and that was in mid to late 90s, which was also a very a booming time for the dot-com and the computer uh, and IT in general. So before I even finished my um, uh, uh, master's, I got a job also as programmer. And uh, I ended up staying in the US and living in Canada and continuing on the journey of pursuing a career in IT. Uh, and that's what got me to today, where I am uh, the global director of digital services at a 
global organization now based in Montpellier, France. Wow, that's quite a journey you've been on. And actually, um, you said that your main interest is computer science. I, that's actually the field that I'm also interested in pursuing. So I love that we have that in common. You know, and that actually brings me to um, the bias or stereotype that we're kind of tackling today. And I just want to begin by getting your initial opinion, um, which is, do you think, what do you think about the stereotype that only men can be technology leaders? Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, it's kind of sad that, uh, you know, I started my career and I already revealed my age and I told you I went to university in late 80s. Uh, so I have been in this field for a very long time. And it's kind of saddened me, honestly, that while we, we have some increase in, in women um, in this field, but it saddens me that until this day, um, people have the assumption that, especially if you are in an IT lead, uh, leadership role, um, that, uh, that we still see way more men. Uh, it still continues to be dominated by, uh, uh, by men. Um, and while we made progress, but it's still not enough, um, it's, it's kind of sad. And I think we still need to do more. And I'm really thrilled that uh, uh, a young woman like you is interested in computer science. I think it's a, uh, the field of IT is, is, a, is an amazing field. Um, and it gives you entry to so many opportunities and so many areas. Everything has computers and has uh, code in it these days. Uh, so I cannot even think from an, an economic even growth and opportunities a better field than than computer science or or something related to IT. Um, so I'm saddened that we still have uh, bias, and especially uh, I'll just will give you a very uh, kind of small example that how how bias is still there. Um, is I have a foreign name, and um, uh, when I kind of some sometimes when I receive like first email or correspondence or somebody sending to the VP of IT or or the CIO of the company, and because my name is is not necessarily that familiar, it's, uh, people will not be able to to tell, let's say, the gender. Um, uh, I many times receive an email say, "Dear Mr. Ode," because they assume, oh. okay, a VP of technology, a foreign name, not really familiar with, must be a man or must be uh, a male, uh, which is kind of uh, honestly like. Uh, uh, disappointing it's, it's, it is disappointing it is yeah. it is unfortunately and but uh we stay helpful and i i still kind of hope that we're going to have more and more people really uh uh challenge let's say this bias and challenge this those assumptions and and continue to challenge it both individually and collectively as as women communities in stem in stem and it and i hope we'll continue to have more and more uh girls like you who are interested and help other girls also see and hear about those biases and not be discouraged by them. And on the contrary, actually take it as uh, a great opportunity to show um, how really women can, can excel in this field. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for saying that. But I, I agree. Like, the thing is, Yes, we've seen a great increase in the number of females in like the STEM field as a whole, even in like computer science. It's still one of the subjects in STEM, which um, has the least women, female representation. But 
my research showed that um, even though there are more females in this area, there are still are very little female leaders. So um, and it's obviously very important that we have the diversity, right? So like what I kind of asked this question in the pa- in the past few episodes, but like I want to get your opinion too as to why you think it's necessary to have this diversity in ideas and have females as technology leaders? Mm-hmm. I think it's important because you mentioned research and I think a lot of research now shows that diversity in teams lead to better outcome, lead to better solutions, lead to better, mm-hmm. uh, more innovation and more creativity uh, because diversity brings different perspective, different views. And if you lo- if you don't have this on your team, and I'm talking about multiple dimensions of diversity, not just gender, but of course, gender is, is, a, is a very critical one. And, and there is research that shows uh, teams that have more diversity tend to be more creative and more productive and reach out at, at, at very uh, 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 kind of uh, creative, let's say, solutions to problems. Um, and this is, I find it fascinating. So it's we need this diversity because it's good. It's good. It's not just because it's the right thing that you have to be inclusive and diverse, but because it's it's definitely um, leads to better outcomes, leads to better um, solutions, leads to more creativity and innovation. And in today's world, um, the world is getting more complex, and and the problems of the world are getting more complex. So you you want to make sure that you're bringing all perspectives everybody who can bring something to the table. And I work, for example, in an organization that addresses climate change and poverty and, and uh, big uh, problems, food security, etc. So you cannot be missing any opportunity uh, uh, by excluding or under, um, let's say, utilizing the skills of diverse groups um, and, and people who might think differently, whether because of gender diversity or because of different uh, lived experiences, different backgrounds, different uh, cultures. So, so diversity is very valuable and it's, it's almost a necessity these days. Um, we simply cannot afford to, to miss uh, opportunities or what if the, 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 and I think it was something, uh, I can't remember if it's Bill Gates or somebody else said, what if the cure of cancer is really in the, in the brains of a, a young girl in, in, in Africa. If we are yeah. not investing in, in that girl and her education and, and making it, maybe we're missing um, on who's gonna be maybe solving some of these problems. Uh, so that's why it's, it's important um, and it is the right thing. And it is, I think in today's world, it's a necessity. And, and we have to be very intentional about ensuring the diversity. And I think that's what also a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, um, they started realizing that. And for them, being intentional about diversity and inclusion is really investment in their future, whether it's a growth of a company or um, uh, innovation or competition, um, uh, and to continue to make it, uh, you know, attractive for for a new generation, I would say, of workforce that um, they like their workplace to be reflective of how they grew up, especially if they grew up in a diverse environment. Um, so that is also another kind of demand uh, from the future workforce. Um, the, the current workforce, the younger, I think they, they want 
workplace that they that feels like the neighborhoods they grew up if it's if it's a diverse one yeah and you mentioned that this diversity is needed for like better innovation and better solutions do you think can you think of any like personal examples where you felt like because you had this like fresh perspective you were able to come up with um like a better solution or mm. new ideas mm. well it's it's quite interesting but i would say um maybe earlier in my career i did not necessarily i always looked that i have the technology knowledge and and maybe you know knowing another language or being from the middle east or, or growing up as a as a girl in in a uh, in a Middle Eastern society, or even growing in a war area, because I grew up in Palestine and occupied Palestine, and I lived through, uh, you know, a very unrestful um, uh, situation with 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 those occupation. And I never thought that these lived experiences will will have much to do with my work in IT. Uh, I was like, okay, my work in IT, what is going to qualify me to do good job? at it is yeah. really my education, my training, the programming languages I have. Um, and that was the case until I joined an international development organization. Uh, I joined them to, to also to work on an IT area and, and to help them with a web application that they were developing for monitoring and evaluation at that time. And, and I remember kind of in my first week, uh, somebody came to me and they said, oh, you're from Palestine, you speak Arabic. Do you think you can help us with that, with, with something? They had a program in, in um, I can't remember if it was in Lebanon or uh, in Jordan. Um, and that was like the first time where I felt the other parts of my, of who I am uh, as a woman from the Middle East or knowing this other language um, brought a value like to my work. Um, and it was a, a bit of an eye opener because since that day or by joining or working with an international development organization, um, I started seeing, you know, other aspects of who I am, including being a woman from the Middle East, that is, is of value. Um, because also in working in, in international development, um, I worked with multiple cultures, including IT people who really come from different backgrounds or from, um, from different cultures. Um, and okay, the common thing was they're geeks and they know technology, <laughs> um, et cetera. But, but understanding, the, let's say, the cultural background, understanding, you know, maybe the environment they work in, um, I was really, it helped me connect better with, with my teams and um, also uh, kind of, I would say, bring... Uh, be intentional, let's say, about creating opportunities for them to show how they can contribute and how their perspective and, um, you know, living sometimes in difficult situations make you, force you to be creative and come up with solutions that are not necessarily taken for granted. Um, so having that, I would say, background um, uh, and diverse background and being also a woman helped me lift up women on my team, especially those from, from diverse background, because I always saw myself, let's say, when I was in their age at early of my career, um, and I would be maybe shy to speak, or I would know the solution, but I'm always in a room dominated by male uh, team members who might be louder and more uh, kind of aggressive. And so I, 
it always made made me be intentional and see things that maybe a peer who is a male in my situation might not see it because he did not let's say live that experience being uh, a minority within a team uh, or never had the problem of you know have somebody louder and their voice be heard more so 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 ha having that i i would say allowed me to be more successful in finding sometimes talented women or uh, people who are from minorities or diverse because I, I knew that they might actually know the technical aspect and excellent at it, but they might be shy about their English communication or they might be kind of the culture uh, is like they have to be, as, as women, they have to be kind of quiet and on the side, etc. Or they might be intimidated by the loudest voices in the room. Um, so that kind of served me multiple times to be um, to find talents that otherwise would have been on the side or you would never kind of uh, bring them forward to really flourish and become wonderful, amazing technical, technical leaders. Um, so having that uh, kind of sensitivity, awareness, um, um, empathy, understanding, or having similar, let's say, experience being a, a young uh, woman in an IT career uh, earlier, um, I, I, I did what I hoped somebody would have done, let's say, for me. <laughs> well, it's amazing that you're using your own experiences to um, push and encourage other people to do so. Um, that's quite like uplifting and inspiring. And I wanted to go back to one of the points you made that generally the, pe the uh, quote unquote, like loudest people are mm -hmm. <laughs> men or and usually not minor from like a minority background. So that brings me to a question as to what does what do you think society visualizes as the ideal technology leader and how does that play into how different technology leaders like act in their role or maybe even how mm -hmm. different people get to that stage. Mhm. Mm I think it's multi-layered, uh, Suhani. It, I think the, the reason why people, you know, if even when you, when you look at, at gender issues and people look at, at it from a systemic way, um, like why, for example, when you think of an engineer, you might think of a guy with a hat and a hammer or something. It's because even in our textbooks, in our like simple things, as a kid growing up, you're connecting those with those stereotypes and it's kind of and it continues to be like that it's really those subtle micro things including uh what what shows people see on on tv what models do you have in your own life um are your role model everybody who's engineer have you seen kind of women's in science or or women technologists as i mentioned i was fascinated by my cousin she worked in 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 programming, and for me, seeing somebody in that role um, it was was critical. And I think the more we try um, to really bust some of these biases, stereotypes, in whatever format they're in, um, whether in our textbooks, in our uh, media, in uh, uh, and around us, in in our communities, in our families, if I can, if we cannot find, let's say, female models uh, in our own family, then maybe at least we can find it in our community, in our school, in 
how can we really uh, make sure that Sahani sees somebody like her from her background successful in an IT field? Um, yeah. So and we so, so that is, is is critical to to continue to really uh, uh, have those role models and and have people see those different roles that people could be successful in them um, on the micro level and the the macro, <laughs> the big one. Yeah, and I, I like that you brought up this idea of needing role models because I think there's definitely, I guess, like an implicit bias, right? As you said, it's mm -hmm. in textbooks. Like we've seen it since we were younger. You know, um, generally, when you think of kids' toys, for instance, mm -hmm. um, the toys that girls are playing with, it, obviously this is generalizing it a, a lot, right? But mm -hmm. in general, the toys that you see girls play with at a younger age are the ones that are advertised to us yeah. are, you know, Barbie dolls, um, mm -hmm. dress up, this kind of stuff. And then whereas you look at the ones advertised towards boys and they're more like Legos, uh, train sets, mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. So it's like you can see the clear difference in, yeah. in like encouragement from that. Yeah. From that. And it's not on purpose. It's just something that's like built in. I, I don't want to wrongfully like compare this because obviously it's not the same but it reminds me of um like recent talks that we've had about implicit biases against like racial biases right mm -hmm. um for example my mom she works in hr and she's really into like the diversity equity inclusion area and so she she um introduced me to you know those tests that we can take that are like that are that those like mind association tests mm -hmm. that are like, oh, uh, these words tell us who, what you associate it with. And it's like, yeah. they have a picture of like a black man and like a white mm -hmm. man and, mm -hmm. and they have like different words that show up and that's, it's like a speed game. So like you click on um, the words that you associate with to see how biased you are against yeah. or towards a certain group. Yeah. So like, I, I think you're right one major component of overcoming these biases is is like having role models that you can look to instead of worrying about or overthinking mm -hmm. about yeah these like biases that you have to overcome yeah yeah and also with with it's, it's both the bias but i think also talked earlier about uh, like sometimes maybe we succeed, let's say, to encourage more girls, let's say, to to like science and math, mm -hmm. um, and maybe we we succeed in in having a good number of them pursuing degrees. But at the same time, when it gets to the workforce, to the work uh, environment, maybe you find uh, women are having less jobs or they are not staying long in the IT field. So so you do all the effort, you encourage more girls to to like science and to math and pursue those degrees, but then you don't create the work environment that help them grow and sustain uh, mm -hmm. because let's say the work environment could be challenging, could be not flexible, uh, could be intimidating. And, and yeah. that's why also you can, and, and, and we assume that with women having families and kids, they might be delayed in their careers with IT, etc. So they end up by the time you arrive at the top, the woman, let's say you invested in increasing the pipeline, disappear. They don't even uh, make it or stay long enough in the IT field um, to really grow and become uh, into leadership positions, which which always 
for, for us to ensure that we keep diversity, we have to look at it from all of these layers. We have to always keep a good pipeline and, and encourage girls, but also we have to look at the, at the workforce um, and, and the work environments um, and ensure, you know, equitable pay for women because um, uh, there's a lot of studies shows that you uh, at least paid uh, sometimes 10, 20 percent less than peer, wow. and that would would impact how many women you can keep in the field. Because after the hard work of getting them into the field, you also want and should work even harder to so they can stay and mm -hmm. grow and not. Uh, 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 drop from the IT field because it's difficult or uh, challenging or they have um, uh, uh, equity issues. Yeah, actually, you bring up a great point because I did read somewhere that these days, yes, females are actually pursuing degrees like a lot more, but mm -hmm. because when they get to there, they face so many issues such as, as you said, like unequitable pay. Um, mm -hmm. There's of course the issue of objectification in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, just simply like not feeling heard or feeling undervalued. Yeah. All of these things play a huge role in just discouraging someone. Like you're gonna feel discouraged if you're always, always like hammered down. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. We need to, while we're still working on the pipeline um, of encouraging people, uh, girls and just people in general to pursue an education in this area, it's important to foster a, um, a work, a sustainable workplace yes. so yeah. that people can stay and build their way up to, mm -hmm. to a position maybe like yeah. yours where you're yeah. like technology leader. And so that brings me to another question. Um, I think we've answered this already a little bit, but I kind of want to go more in depth. How do you think a female's journey to the top differs from their male counterparts? It differs a lot because you are not starting from the same point. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, uh, you're already uh, there's already the stereotype, <laughs> so you're not you're not starting at at a at, let's say an at equal starting point, and there's always that analogy um, in like if you if you have a race and if you, if you put the uh, let's say uh, the male at this starting point and then you ask the female to go back uh, two three meters, so you're already that's where it's positioned. And of course, if you're talking about a woman of color, that means she's starting from maybe three meters behind. So you already they're not all starting from the same point. Uh, so that means there is this extra effort you always need to make. Um, there is uh, 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 challenges, of course, not just um, there is, of course, society, there is pay, um, there is kind of the, the work environment, how flexible it is to allow you, um, let's say, to have a family or uh, to continue to have flexible hours so you can really continue to proceed with your career. Um, so the journey is, is harder because you have to, to work I would say, unfortunately, you have to work harder to prove yourself. And also, it's not easy to be sometimes the only woman around the table, whether it's in leadership position or even in just a team. 
um, it, it, it has its, it has its uh, impact on you and how much you're going to be, you feel that, oh yeah, I have to advocate for, for, for my, all my, uh, uh, and that's a pressure that uh, a male, let's say, uh, uh, does not necessarily have it. And also, um, in, in when it when it gets to leadership, because also um, in leadership positions, uh, so imagine like you're in IT and already leadership in general, uh, there's not uh, a good number of men, and in IT in particular, um, it's it's also not the same. So uh, being also in a leadership team that is uh, male dominated, or being the the only woman at the at the table uh, adds more pressure, um, more pressure because uh, you feel you're you're more scrutinized, uh, mm -hmm. let's say, um, and it's also uh, you always feel as if you have to prove more I that see. yeah that your point let's say is valid and important. Mm -hmm. um, so there's always that that aspect that keeps stays in in your mind. Uh, but yeah, in general, I would say it's, uh, and, and also when you're, the biases are in, let's say, in everything. It's not just, uh, let's say you are working in a company that values diversity or, or, or works. It's not necessarily always the case. Um, uh, it could be within your HR decision. It could be if, if your leadership, if your hiring managers are not diverse enough, mm -hmm. they're going to carry their biases in in their continuous hiring, <laughs> um, they're going to tend to hire people like them. So, uh, so that is so the journey for for a woman towards a leadership. It's also defined by the environment you're you're progressing in it. Um, so it's also systemic. It's it it cannot be enough that um, that okay you made it and you're making progress because. Um, you could make it and you could start, but if the majority of the environment is more male-dominated, um, your processes are systematically have have bias in them, then then it's not enough just to have, you know, one woman do, doing, uh, let's say, a better job if you are not changing um, those systems, those processes um, uh, across everything from the hiring to pay equity um, to your your team formation how they are formed etc so it has to be on on multiple levels mm -hmm. and how do you think so you said like changing these things but how how do you think we should go about doing that like how do you think we can go about overcoming this bias because obviously this is a huge thing we've dealt with it for so many years mm -hmm. and we've definitely made progress you know from yeah. when we, when it was assumed that every woman was going to mm -hmm. be at home taking care of the kids cooking yeah. and cleaning but how do we like make further progress because I feel like we've made the the mm -hmm. big changes like giving women the right to vote um, yeah. in, including them and uh, encouraging them to get an education but how do we get over these like small mm -hmm. things which many people don't even acknowledge as a problem. Yeah. And I, th I think it has to be intentional. So there are organizations, there are companies, there are even countries mm -hmm. that they made, uh, 
they made it a requirement. Like if you want gender equality and gender equity, for example, if you have um, jobs, you have to have 50-50% applicants from both yeah. genders, let's say. Um, so there are organizations and, and companies that they made this part of the fabric, part of the way they run their organization, and they made commitment. And that commitment was not that, um, oh, we, we, we hope to hire and we're going to try to hire as much as possible. No, they, they made a commitment that um, if, if they have a job posting, they have to have candidates, uh, a pool of candidates that is diverse and, and balanced in terms of gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, let's say, the first round of application, they don't just stop and they say, oh, we tried. No, they keep trying. They look for the candidates because that's all that sometimes is the is the biggest excuse for some organizations when they say that. Yeah. But like we don't have, we have jobs. We are, and they put on their websites, you know, we encourage women, etc. But if they receive just ten applications of guys on only one, they consider okay, we we have one candidate and maybe we'll invite her to interview. But the hiring decision might end up in favor of somebody else. But if you make a commitment that you're going to keep looking, <laughs> you're going to be creative, you're going to reach out, you're going to find ways to find those talented women wherever they are, and they are existing, they, they do exist. And if you update, for example, the way you post your job. Um, so sometimes, uh, I don't know if you heard about this uh, study that uh, 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 the way the jobs are posted uh, women tend to apply only if they feel they met all the requirements. Yes, a guy yes, I might have read just this. meet maybe fifty percent of them and still will apply. Mm-hmm. Of so sometimes even and there was a study showed that if you change just a little bit the way the job description is written, change how what you put as required versus nice to have, or even focus on over high level skills and not specific ones you will see a much higher increase in, in, in women applying for jobs. So there are all of these, you know, and they are based on science and based on research. Um, so a company that really is serious about diversifying its workforce, there's a number of things they can do from tweaking even the way they post jobs, being intentional about reaching a broader net uh, of, of candidates and, and, and keep looking when you don't find enough candidates. And also, uh, you know, I, I'm, I work now in an organization, it's required. You have to have uh, almost 50-50 pool of candidates. And even in your hiring, in the positions, you have to hire. Like, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it, it's, let's say, the regulations of the organization because they are committed to meet the gender equity uh, global sustainable development goals. So they will never, if you have two positions, you have to hire they cannot be too male, and if they and if they're going to be male, you have to really provide a very good justification, and it's it's not necessarily. So there is, you know, organizations that are serious about it. There's tons of things they can do. That that's great to know that we are like making progress, and that that actually reminds me a lot of you know talks about um, affirmative action and all. Like mm-hmm. you know, it it. A lot of times it provokes a negative reaction because people are like, oh, it's unfair, you know, it's mm-hmm. unfair. Why Why are there certain number of spots there? Aren't you trying to like overcome bias by, mm-hmm. by, by talking about it and like 
specifically putting out yeah. um, spots for them, isn't that like unfair? But I feel like this goes back to equity, right? Mm-hmm. We need to, we can't just, we can't just treat everyone, quote unquote, like equally, right? We need to mm-hmm. consider the backgrounds. We need to consider yeah. the history. Like I, mm-hmm. I actually wrote a paper about this in English class mm-hmm. like last year and up till like the point that I actually did my own research, I, I read yeah. like a book about it and everything. Yeah. I was, I'm a, I'm an Asian girl, right? So I, I was like, oh, how, why are they always, why are they like biased against us, you know? But after actually doing the research and learning about why, why they have to allocate um, specific number of spots and why they can't just go race blind during like um, application processes, I, I realized like the importance. And I feel like this mm-hmm. this plays a lot into what you yeah. were talking about. It's like yeah. these simple things like allocating um, a number of spots for women. Mm-hmm. It's important right now because that's the only way we can get to a point where mm-hmm. not having that will still lead to yeah. like an equal or like balanced yeah. um workplace or workforce yeah absolutely it's not necessarily a, a sustainable way and this is not the way you want it to be mm-hmm. all the time but it's a it's a it's a good measure to get us there to help us yeah. arrive at uh, or or make that assurance and we hope that one day we will arrive at a point where everybody really has a truly equal chance everybody is starting from the same point mm-hmm. um, we hope that we will make progress enough where really people compete and people who are qualified get it but at the same time there's still as long as we still have barriers and obstacles in the way of of women of minorities of women of color uh towards having those equal opportunities of of everybody else there needs to be stronger interventions and and this is maybe a one i know there's huge debate about affirmative action because there's a lot of also forms of them in different countries and mm-hmm. even in elections in in, in uh, political representation uh, but we also know that in in many areas people or countries or let's say who had this definitely made progress um, towards this becoming almost natural um, mm-hmm. even to a point where you started having sometimes the majority now being being women and without having those uh, forms of affirmative action you would not have opened an opportunity for women you would not have uh, created an environment to have more and more role women yeah. <laughs> role role models um, so it was really just... an intervention to ensure that we we have so we cannot just say oh it's equal for everybody anybody can apply but you're not really uh, addressing the the barriers for for women women let's say entry to the workforce etc uh, and it and it forces it forces organizations companies um, even even governments to be to find ways to to increase the pipeline let's say of women who apply yeah. the conscious effort is mm-hmm. the only way we can overcome the unconscious bias, right? Now I just want to come back to the original question after all of our discussion, um, which was that only men can be technology leaders and just see how we've, I guess, just like summarize what we've talked about. So Mm -hmm. what do you think about this idea? I think we've 
definitely pointed out that it is true that this is a bias and mm-hmm. how how do you think we we should bust it i guess well we bust it by throwing a question back what is, who is a leader what are the qualities of a leader mm-hmm. uh, regardless if you are leading in an it field or you're leading uh the qualities of leader, like honestly, the, the leadership characteristics that I have uh, or what make me successful today as a leader in the IT field has nothing to do with my IT background. I'm not a person who code anymore. I, I know general about technology, but I have a team who does this work and, and, and I don't need to do this work. So the technical expertise is no longer that relevant. As a leader, the characteristics of, of, of leadership is, is you need to you know, you need to have a vision, you need to be motivating to people, you need to be respectful, you need to be empathetic, uh, you need to be comfortable being vulnerable. There's a lot of characteristics of a good leader, regardless if they are in the IT field or not. And if you look at those characteristics, what makes a, a, a good leader, into, especially in today's world, uh, especially when we were in the pandemic, um, not really like strong management skills or kind of a command and control approach uh, made you successful in leading your team through hard times. Um, it was those leaders who were more, showed more compassion, showed more empathy, showed more flexibility. Those are the ones who succeeded in keeping their teams productive and healthy and, and engaged. Um, and when you look at those characteristics, they have nothing to do with gender. Actually, on the contrary, women almost by nature have a lot of these characteristics <laughs> um, of uh, of engaging and, and being empathy and, and uh, uh, comfort with being vulnerable, etc. So that's how I would look at it. As when when people say it, I will challenge it back with, you know, define a leader and then okay, tell me where is the gender dimension in this definition? It has nothing to do with gender. This is about qualities of uh, uh, of leadership. It's not kind of the type of, uh, let's say, uh, 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 and this is also a very old thing about, you know, the physical uh, strength, that capacity, but we all know that the automation and the machinery empowered women around the globe that having to do physical work is no longer a barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, a lot of research showed how the uh, the motor tractors, for example, empowered women to become farmers and not to be dependent, let's say, in, in some economies. Um, you know, having the the cars and the motorcycle brought women mobility, so they're no longer kind of uh, restricted because they need somebody to take them around. Um, so it's the same thing in 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 uh, what require you to be a, a, a successful leader in IT. Um, is is those characteristics, and I think that would be the best way to to bust uh, such 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 myth is like what what does <laughs> um, this is exactly so so any woman who have those characteristics is likely to succeed. I think that's an amazing way to um, end this episode. I yeah, and thank you for so much for coming on as a guest. Thank you. Thank you, Sahani. And uh, I want to take this opportunity to wish you uh, a happy International Women's Day. And I know in the U.S. it's the National Month for Women. So Yeah, it is uh, Women's History Month. Happy History Month. Uh, and to you guys listening, thank you so much. Um, 
Once again, happy International Women's Day, and it's Women's History Month, so we have several special episodes planned out for this month, so stay tuned, and see you guys next week. Thank you.